Well, good morning again. Welcome to St. John. Welcome to those of you who are joining us online also. My name is Dion, and I'm one of the pastors. And uh, just this last week, someone, someone asked me, I was in a conversation with someone, and they said, you know, how long, how long have you known, how long have you known, or did you know, when, at what point did you know that uh, you wanted to be a pastor? How long have you known that? And my answer to him was, not long. In fact, some days I'm still not sure. I don't want to say that I know that I want to do this. I am doing it. Um, but for me growing up, I, I never had a thought in my mind that I would be a pastor. No pastors in my family. Um, if you've heard my story, not exactly even a, uh, a Christian family that I was raised in. Uh, God was doing a work in us. Uh, but for me growing up, I, I wanted to be a scientist. Actually, I wanted to be a rock star, but I was a very practical kid, and I knew that wasn't going to happen, so instead I said I wanted to be a scientist, because I I love studying the created world. I love just trying to figure out what God did when he made it, and I love trying to find words and theories to express the realities that we see all around us. Uh, For instance, um, you know, there are certain things that just, I, I think, are amazing, and they're, sometimes they're simple things, and sometimes they required um, complex explanations, but they're still profound. I actually need a, a volunteer. Jake Howard, I need you, actually, because um, Jake Howard has the biggest wingspan of anyone I know. So I need you to come stand right here, because what I need you to do is I need you to protect the altar from what is about to happen here. Um, so your job is just to make sure nothing happens to anything there, okay? So uh, thank you. And you're probably too tall for the camera, but it, you're perfect for this. So, uh, you know, I've got, I've got two balls here, right? Kind of flat tennis ball. I've got a kickball. Um, you, you see, you, you drop them, they bounce. There's some elastic stuff going on here. And um, so that's not surprising to you. My question is, why on earth is it, uh, why, why on earth does this happen when you do this, when you put this on top of this one? All right, Jake, you ready? Okay. Okay, that one, that one didn't go that way. All right, let's try that again. Why, why does it go so high? Do you see how high that thing went? Do you remember this? Okay, there. Remember this? Here? Why is it that when you do this, it goes like this? Whoa. <laughs> yeah, good job. Oh, no, now I got to catch. All right. All right, you're good. You're good. So why is that, right? Thank you, Jake. Uh, good job protecting the altar. Right? I mean, you saw that. Like, why did that tennis ball shoot off? Or you think about just some ordinary matches, Right, kids don't play with matches, but you think about ordinary matches, and you can take a match, and, and you can have it, you can hold, carry it around with you, it's probably not going to burst into flame on its own, but why is it with the simplest strike, all of a sudden you've got, you've got something happening, you've got this match that was so stable before, it's now, it's now burning, it's being, it's being consumed, why, why is that? Well, uh, you know, just simple things like that, science has answers. Uh, one of the answers that science would give to all of that is potential energy. You've heard of potential energy? Right? In, in the case of the balls, uh, the potential energy is an energy of position. Gravity is working on there. There's potential energy in there. I move my hand away and, and the balls bounce. And when I stack the two balls, there's a transfer of potential energy and then some kinetic energy that goes into the little ball, launches it way off into the air. Or, or with the match, there's a chemical potential energy and all it takes is a strike and all of a sudden the chemical potential energy is released and you've got some heat energy coming from it. You're like, I didn't come to church to hear science. Um, and it, you should, because it's pretty fascinating, and it's how God made the world. But, but notice in each of those examples, there is a potential energy, but it takes something from the outside, something acting on it, a catalyst, some, something to initiate, uh, something to initiate uh, you know, movement or, or, or energy transfer in order for that potential to be released. Now, we as people, we're a lot like that, aren't we? We, we are filled with potential. 
Now, maybe you didn't grow up believing that. Maybe you didn't grow up in a house where you had parents who told you that, who looked at you and saw you with eyes of potential. Maybe that's something that you've never believed about yourself, that you are filled with limitless potential. And yet it's true. The sky's the limit with us. See, our creator has endowed us with, with certain gifts. I mean, Trisha just prayed this way, that uh, we've been given certain gifts that are only ours. The rest of the animal kingdom, the rest of the created world doesn't have these gifts. And, uh, and, and, and because of that, we've got the power, we've got the ability to create things, to do things, all kinds of things, limitless things for good or for evil. We've got the ability to do that. And that's just how God has, God has gifted us and God has made us. We have unlimited creative potential. And that's never clearer, even if you doubt it when you look in the mirror at yourself or you didn't grow up that way, that's never clearer than when you're holding a baby. Do we have any babies here today? Anyone got a baby? Anybody? Someone's got a baby back there? Can I, can I borrow your baby? <laughs> Yay. All right, I'm going to borrow your baby. All right. Come here, buddy. Hey. So, you know, when you, when you look at a baby, uh, when you... I, I promise I won't steal them. Um, I'm on camera anyway, so they'll, they'll find me. Um, so when you look at, when you look at a baby, uh, you just look at, you look at these little bundles of cheeks and eyes and baby fat, and you look at them, right? And you're like, <laughs> he's looking at me right now. He's like, what is going on? Um, you know, you look at them and, and, you, and you see the potential. You're overwhelmed with it, right? As a parent, as a grandparent, as, as someone who's just holding a baby, you look at them and you think, what, what, what might they do? The sky is the limit. Um, you know, maybe he's going to be a, a World Cup soccer player. Or maybe he's going to be a, a genius solving world problems. Or maybe he's going to be the next, um, you know, musical genius, virtuoso. What the, the potential is limitless. And, and you see that. And in StrengthsFinder, I'm a, I'm a maximizer. If you've ever taken StrengthsFinder, one of my strengths is to be a maximizer. And so I love to look at people and organizations and churches. Hey, uh, I love to look at them and to, uh, to try to unleash their potential, trying to maximize their, their potential. And yet, hey. and yet for some of us, you know, uh, it, it starts to turn, you know, you, you look at these little guys and, and you say, man, maybe he's going to be a soccer player. All right, you can have him back before he cries. Um, thank you for letting me have your baby. Um, you know, you, you look at those little guys and you, uh, yeah, thanks. You look at those little guys and, and you think, yeah, you know, what might he be? And as parents, you start to feel all of this pressure and, and, and the excitement and the potential starts to become a burden to your spirit. Oh, if he's going to be a great soccer player, then I've got to get him in the best leagues and we've got to travel and we've got to spend all this money. Or if he's going to be a genius, then I've got to make sure he goes to the best schools and has the best tutors and does his homework. Or if he's going to be a virtuoso musician, then I've got to make sure that he practices for hours and hours. And, and then those kids grow up under that. And, and instead, of, instead of being excited about how they've been gifted, instead of being excited about their potential, it becomes this burden, doesn't it? This heaviness. I mean, how many of us have had the experience as, as adults or, you know, kids, however old you are, and, and you, you look in the mirror and you wonder, this nagging question comes to mind, am I living up to my potential? Am I missing an opportunity? Am I, am I, am I failing to do something that later in life I'm going to regret? I'm going to miss my chance and I'm going to regret it later. Or, uh, you know, is, is God looking at me and saying, is he, is he disappointed in me because I've not, I've not taken what he's given me and I've not put it to good enough use? 
These are tough questions to answer when it comes to potential. How much focus is healthy? When does it become unhealthy? And I'll just confess that I don't think I'm in a place, I'm not wise enough, I'm not healthy enough in my own relationship with my potential to be able to answer this question. And yet I think, I think there's a guy who can help us and his name is Paul. Now if you've been to church more than a few times, you've probably heard of Paul, St. Paul, the Apostle Paul. I just want to frame his story for you briefly before we, uh, we look at what he says about all of this. Paul's kind of different than the other people that we've looked at in this series because at the time of the resurrection of Jesus, like everyone else, Paul um, was not a follower of Jesus. He was an enemy of Jesus. For all we know, Paul could have been one of those agitators in the crowd who was stirring up hatred against Jesus. We, we, just, we just don't know. One thing we do know is that shortly after the resurrection of Jesus, Paul went into full-blown persecution of anyone who claimed Jesus. He was having people arrested, beat up, even killed. And it's a year or two after the resurrection of Jesus that Jesus supernaturally one day appears to Paul, reveals himself to him, and begins to radically reorient Paul's whole life. And today we're not going to look at that exact moment when that happens. Instead, we're going to look at a moment years later where Paul is reflecting, at the, at the, reflecting back on the impact of that moment, that moment when Jesus revealed himself to him, when Jesus appeared and, and reoriented his life. And the moment we're going to look at is a moment when Paul is writing a letter, and he's writing a letter to a group of Christians in a city called Philippi, and Paul is writing this letter from jail. And he's not really committed any true crime. His so-called crime was inciting a riot, disturbing the peace, and that wasn't even his fault. That wasn't really his thing, and, and yet he's there in jail, and while he's in jail, he's got time to think about life. He's got time to really slow down. He's, he's, been, he's been limited in what he can do. He's restricted, right? And so he begins to reflect on life, and one of the things that he begins to talk about, write about, is this whole issue of potential. When is it a blessing? When has it become a burden? And so we're going to look at that. Philippians chapter 3, starting at the second half of verse 4, page 1180, if you're here in the room with your Bible. Paul says, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, that's kind of what he was talking about before, people who put a lot of confidence in, in their flesh, what they can do you know, physically or uh, in, in their physical body. He says, if anyone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. See, Paul is boasting a little bit, and he has a right to boast, because this is his situation. He's born to an ideal family, in an ideal tribe, in an ideal nation, He's a really gifted guy, so smart, so able, so courageous, full of potential. And so Paul goes to work trying to fulfill his potential. And he follows in his father's footsteps, becomes a Pharisee, not just any Pharisee, but he studies under the greatest rabbi of, of, of his time for Pharisees, the rabbi named Gamaliel. He studies under him. He's on a fast track to being a successful, powerful religious teacher. Uh, when this Christian movement you know, comes up and... And uh, these heretics are saying that this man, Jesus of Nazareth, is the son of God and the Messiah, died and risen again. Paul says, you know, he volunteers to stomp this movement out. He goes to work against it, crusades against it. Paul is one of these guys who is, who is a model. You know, everyone in, in Israel is looking at Paul and then they're looking at their son and they're saying, why can't you be more like Paul? 
And, and he's the envy of all of his peers. He's a guy who is crushing it and killing it. And I just want you to know that there's no, there's no problem with that. That's not wrong in and of itself. See, as I said before, God has put potential. He has, he has put gifts and abilities in each and every one of us. In fact, this is one of the things that I pray over my kids regularly at bedtime. I, I, we pray together that God would help them understand the gifts that he has put into them and that he would help bring those gifts out, those gifts that he has put into them for their benefit, for the benefit of others and the benefit of the world. That's a good thing, right? To begin to discover what God has put into you and to, and to allow God to bring that out and to, and to nurture those gifts and to work those gifts. I mean, it's, it, it's a good thing. The problems start, all of the problems start when it comes to our potential they start when we, when we begin to put our confidence there. When we, we begin to put our confidence in our flesh, as Paul would say. That's when everything goes wrong. And, and that's what Paul was doing. He was a guy who wasn't just fulfilling his potential, but that's where his confidence was. That's where his value came from until he met Jesus and things changed. Now he says, but whatever were gains to me back then, whatever I was proud about, whatever I, I found valuable, whatever was you know, a source of my ego boost, what gave me a sense of worth or value, now, I now consider those things loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything, everything else in all of the world a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Man, these are powerful words that I think we can barely begin to really understand the conviction, the, 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 uh, just the, the deep, deep belief that Paul has in these words as he speaks them. For us, this would be like a multimillionaire who, at the height of her career, decides that she's going she's gonna to quit, she's going to sell off her stuff, and she's going to go and serve inner city kids. Or it would be like a pro athlete who, at the height of his career, says, you know what, I'm done, I'm retiring, I want to spend more time with my, my family. See, we look at situations like that, and sometimes those things happen, and, and we kind of wonder in our mind, what a waste, I mean, great, great athlete, great business leader, and, and they're just walking away from that to do something else. What, what a waste. And surely I, there were people in Paul's peer group who would have looked at him and said the same. What a waste. Paul, you were so gifted. You were so smart. You were so zealous. You could have done great things for God. But, but Paul says, no, 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 you don't understand. You think this is a waste. You think this is a loss that I'm letting go of these things. But in fact, I've discovered something so much greater, so much better that now all of that other stuff, it, it's lost to me. In fact, there's nothing else in the world that compares to what I found now. He continues. He says, I consider those things garbage. And uh, we've looked at this before, but this is probably a weak translation. Um, the better translation would probably be the word dung or even a stronger word that's a four-letter word that I won't say here today. I consider those things garbage. All of those things that I took pride in, that I put my confidence in at one time, I now consider them dung, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Those words of my own. These are the words of potential. Those, those are the words that drive us to strive to fulfill our potential. This is where potential becomes an unhealthy thing. When we become obsessed with this idea of my 
own. See, how, how do I take the things that God has given to me? And, and they're gifts. I can't claim credit for anything that God has given to me, right? As a gift. If I'm just naturally good at something, I can't take credit for that. That's a gift. God gave that to me. I can't take credit for gifts. It wasn't my choice. It wasn't my work. That's something that was given to me. So, so, so the question for us often becomes when we're preoccupied with this, this issue of, of my own is how do I take those things that were gifted to me that I can't claim credit for and how do, I, how do I utilize those? How do I maximize those? How do I turn those into something that I can look at later, turn them into results that I can look at later and say, yeah, the gifts weren't mine. God gave me those. But that stuff, all of this I accomplished on my own. Those are works of my own. See, for me, I'll just acknowledge this is a huge struggle for me. And it always has been. Because for me, I don't understand how I'm supposed to live a life that matters? How am I supposed to, to prove my value? How am I supposed to, to prove my worth unless I figure out a way to take what God has given me and to do something with it of my own? I mean, otherwise, what am I doing here? Am I just here taking up my postage stamp with the real estate on this planet and consuming resources and, and giving nothing back or, or just giving back what God has given me? It feels to me like in order to live a life that matters, a life that's worthy, I've got to find a way to do something of my own. Not just what God has given me, but, but I've, got to, I've got to make something of it, right? And see, this is what Paul had struggled with his whole life. Pursuing a righteousness of his own. Pursuing a, a worth. Righteousness is a churchy word. Pursuing a, a worth or a standing or a value of his own. He broke his neck trying to do that. And then he meets Jesus and he finally realizes that no matter what he can do of his own, no matter what he can produce of his own, it doesn't compare to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus and being found in him. And, and yet in the back of our minds, there's still this of my own thing working on us, right? Of my own is the language of every great American success story. Whether it's true or not, this is how the stories are written. So man starts a multi-billion dollar computer company in his garage with five dollars with nothing but his brains and his work ethic. Look what he did of his own. Produced. Or a you know, poor black girl grows up with nothing and she later launches a media empire complete with a book club and her own network and, and she had no help and no nothing, just ambition and hard work, and intelligence, look at all that she did of her own. See, again, whether they're true or not, that's how we tell the stories, and so there's something in us that just needles us, that makes us believe that if our life is going to matter, if we're going to do something that, that is going to have a splash on this world stage, if, if our life is going to have any significance or worth or value, we've got to do it of our own. But Paul says, no way. There's actually something better. Now, I'll just admit that I'm not, I'm not there yet. I'm not to where Paul is. I, I still fight this of my own thing so hard. It's, it's like ingrained in me. I still wonder, like, man, if, if I'm not putting pressure on myself to be my best, if I'm not, uh, you know, just, just trying so hard to, to, to get ahead and to achieve, like, what, what is my life? What is my life? I remember first reading these words 
from uh, Philippians, and I was a college student. And I remember sitting in my dorm room, and I think I was working on some sort of paper or something, slaving or some assignment. And uh, maybe it was even a, I was, went to a Christian school, so maybe it was even a, a religious assignment, a, a Bible assignment or something. And uh, I remember reading these words, and there I was reading these words of Paul, and I was, I was, he was, he was telling my story. Because I was the kid who had to graduate valedictorian, and had to get the top grade of my peers in my ACT, and I was the kid who had to give everything, 110% at everything I did, and I was terrified of ever disappointing anyone or letting anyone down. It was always just push, 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 more, more, more. The moment I would achieve one thing, it had to be the next thing. I wasn't satisfied with that. I had to move on. And I remember reading these words from Paul in Philippians 3 about not having a righteousness, a value, a standing, a worth of my own, but knowing Jesus Christ and being found in him. Not being found worthy because of my list of accomplishments, but being found in him. And I remember reading those words, and I remember just breaking down, crying, sobbing in my room. Because Paul was telling my story, and I knew where that was leading me. I was, I was already, I was 20 years old, and I was burnt. I was tired. It's like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I didn't think there was any other way, and, and Paul began to talk about this other way, and I confess I'm still not there. I'm still not able to really get my mind around that, but there's something in this that resonates with my spirit. I just want to ask you today, do any of you, do any of you relate? Is this your story? Have you lived under the burden of expectation, under the constant pressure to be at your best, always, to maximize what you have, to do your best with it? Do you sometimes feel that as soon as you reach one milestone in life, life is looking at you saying, what have you done for me lately? And and you have to move on to the next thing. Or people in your life are doing that. Isn't that exhausting? To have your potential become your master? See, Paul says there's another way to live. And this other way to live, it's not a life without drive or ambition. For some of us, that's worse than death, right? I mean, for me, I I just can't not be driven. That's not who I am. And yet Paul says that that when you understand this truth, when you understand that, that there is a righteousness, there's a value, there's a standing that comes not of your own, but it comes from God. It's a gift. It comes through faith. It's being found in Jesus. When you understand that, when you receive that suddenly your potential, your ambition, and your drive, they can, they can fall into the right place. They can become healthy again. So I want you to look at these final words of Paul, and I want you to notice that his drive, his ambition, they have not gone away. They've just been refocused now into something healthier. Here's what he says as he closes off this section. Remember he said, all of that stuff, it didn't matter. It's like, it's like garbage. It's like dung compared to knowing Jesus and being found in him. And, and then now here's what he says. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on. I mean, this is the language of ambition and drive, isn't it? But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Not to take hold of accomplishments or things, you know, maximize my potential or accolades or the things that I can claim of my own, but to take hold of the things for which Christ has taken hold of me, to take hold of the gifts of God, a way of life, a way of wholeness that God offers to me freely. That's what Paul's new obsession is. He says, brothers and sisters, 
I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, all of my accomplishments, all of my failures, all of that stuff, I forget that stuff, and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. See, Paul discovered something. He discovered that God in heaven who's given you gifts and abilities and filled you with limitless potential. He's not sitting in heaven with a stopwatch or a chart, you know, saying, hey, that was your personal best. I want you to go harder this time. I want you to do more. God in heaven isn't sitting looking at us with some expectation that he wants us to live up to. Instead, he's inviting us to live in him. See, it's not about living up, it's about living in. It's not about living up. It's about living in Christ. And when that happens, it changes everything. At least it begins to. See, when, when you understand that, then you can get up and you can look in the mirror and you can ask that same question. Am I fulfilling my potential? Am I doing what God put me on this earth to do? And yet, and yet the stakes are a lot lower. It's not make or break, do or die anymore. You, you can hold that newborn baby in your arms and you can dream for him or her. Uh, just yesterday, uh, my own daughter, Ellie, was one of the 50-some confirmands who was professing her faith in Jesus. And uh, yesterday afternoon, as I was watching all of this happen and uh, watching her profess and watching Chris Toomey speak scripture over her and watching Pua Kaufman speak a blessing over her, man, I was, I was just filled with joy over the person my daughter's becoming. And, and I'll, I'll admit, I, I think she's an amazingly gifted girl. All my kids are. And my mind was going to, to this place of like, what, what might God do with her? How might God use those gifts? But for me, it was, it was pure joy and excitement. It wasn't at all expectation. See, I'm excited for my kids to grow and to learn about what God has put into them and to let God bring those things out. I'm, I'm excited for them to be on this journey of discovery I'm excited to see them use what God has given them to be a blessing to them and to the world around them and to, to others. I'm, I'm so excited about that. But it's not a matter of expectation. It's not like I'm, I'm expecting them to live up to anything. I simply want them to live into God and to live into their gifts. And I think God takes care of the rest. See, there's a huge difference in life, isn't there? A huge difference in life between achieving or striving to get love and achieving and striving because you are loved. One, one is terribly unhealthy, achieving and striving to get love. The other thing, achieving and striving because you are loved, because you feel confident, because you have people who believe in you, because you know whether you fail or succeed, you've got people who are cheering you on. That's a totally different thing. And I just want to make clear something today. Every one of you in this room, regardless of who you are, no matter what your story has been, no matter whether you come here every week or this is your first time here, I want you to know something. You are loved. You are loved with an unconditional, relentless, zealous love. And your Father in heaven looks at you with delight and he has declared you worthy and valuable. He has declared that your life matters already before you've done a thing, that you matter to him. And now he's just cheering you on with pride and joy. 
as you discover the things that he has put inside of you and, and, and he's, he's so excited as you learn to, to, to draw those things out and to use those things for your good and the good of others, the good of the entire world. He's, he's just excited. He's your cheerleader. He's not your drill sergeant. And I hope what that does for you today is, is I hope it does two things. I hope it first frees you from any expectation that you feel the Father has on you to live up. No, your job is to live in, not to get love because you are loved. But I hope it does something else. I hope it gives you the courage. I hope it gives you the courage to discover what God has put into you and to live it out boldly. Not to get love, but because you are loved. In Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you have given us so much that in our creation you've declared us worthy and you've gifted us. And Father, each of us are filled with limitless potential. And Father, I thank you that you have redeemed us through Jesus. Even though we battle against sin and brokenness in our lives, you claim those things and you turn them around and you use them for good and you redeem our lives from destruction and darkness and you give us purpose and hope again. You again speak a word of limitless potential over us. And Father, thank you for the gift of your spirit, for sanctifying us, for day by day making us holy, for changing us into your likeness. Father, and for all that that means. Father, I pray today that you would remind us that we are people of limitless potential, but that's not where our value or worth or righteousness or standing comes from. Instead, help us be people who are found in you, who celebrate that we have a righteousness not of our own that comes through you through faith because of what Jesus has done. But Father, may that give us that that love and that favor that already is ours, that value and worth and standing that is already ours. May that give us courage to mine out the things that you have put into us. And Father, may you lead that process by your spirit so that we can with joy, with expectation, with the spirit of adventure and discovery that we might bring out the things that you have put into us and that we might find joy in all of the treasures that you've hidden inside of us that they might be a blessing to us and everyone around us. Father, make it so, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please rise. Today we had a chance to hear the Apostle Paul talk about his relationship with um, confidence, putting confidence in his potential and in his flesh. And uh, today I want to invite you to speak some of his words as your own confession. Speak these words with me. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. Those are Paul's words, but I ask you today, are those your words? Is that your heart's desire? If so, say this, I confess. It's my heart's desire too. And God in heaven is here on our side, restoring us, forgiving us, 
helping us again and again find a righteousness that is not our own, but he's giving it to us through Christ so that we can discover the surpassing worth of just being his, being found in him. And so we have the freedom and the courage to go and explore what he's put into us. You are forgiven. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. And in this meal that Jesus gives to us, we not only receive his body and blood, but we receive, we receive a, uh, a word from God spoken over us again. That we are his, that we are people of worth and value, that we've been redeemed, that we matter. This is a, this is a statement of, of God's deep love and favor that is already ours, regardless of what we do, good or bad, just because we're his. And so as you come forward today in just a minute and receive this, receive this body and blood for the forgiveness of your sins, yes. But also I want you to, I want you to listen to the voice of God saying that you are his, that you are valuable, that you are worthy, that he loves you. I want you to sense his delight in you today.